Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 512 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet and this is the weekender the 106th edition of the weekender so thanks for for joining us for our uh, trip down uh, random topic generation wheel time and general hedonism where we talk about all the things that make life worth living and for i don't know because of several weeks in a row where Getting access to my recording studio is problematic, and we don't know where her Yeti mic is. Cheryl, W5MOO, will not be joining us. It'll just be Bill and myself again. I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And Bill is uh, fresh back from National Jamboree. So, woot, woot. <laughs> yeah, blew in the billings at 11 o'clock local time last night. Yes, give or take. And uh, <laughs> yeah, right on the button. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is funny because, like, when I was uh, when I was when I woke up south of Chicago, it said I would uh, I would get home on uh, Waze because it says like when you're supposedly going to get home. It said 10:59 p.m. and I'm like, okay, uh, that's not going to happen. And then as, <laughs> as I was journeying and journeying, it kept on going later and later because obviously I'm stopping, you know, going to the bathroom, getting food, whatever. Um, and eventually it said like I don't know 11 11:30 or something like that. But uh, no, I got home. Just just right before eleven, uh, <laughs> local. So yeah, I made I made the original time, which is a miracle. <laughs> That's because you didn't see any of North Dakota or Eastern Minnesota, or uh, yeah, Montana, because it was a blur as it went by. <laughs> yes, it was very blurry. <laughs> <laughs> it went by very very fast. <laughs> All right, so let's not go and recap uh, National Jamboree. Anybody who wants to find out about that can read all the blog posts, check out Facebook, and see uh, the YouTube live stream, I guess. I don't know. Did you guys post all of that? Or is it just a, like, you know, two weeks of people walking around? Or <laughs> No, you know, I, I did a one-day stream of the station, and um, it did, the weather just wasn't cooperative enough for me to set up my gear properly to like record the station without getting like equipment wet or <laughs> some other kind of act of god on the equipment so i, I just recorded inside of the station uh just kind of like the walking around and stuff like that um and I, I think i just put it on facebook live i don't i don't know if i actually put it out on 
Or I might have put it on YouTube. Did I put it on YouTube? Maybe I did. I just don't remember. <laughs> All right. Well, good enough. There's there's enough resources, and you can always just email Bill if you want to find out more about National Jamboree and how it was this year. But let's get into our random topic pick for tonight, and hopefully it, this might be a short one. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, there's only 10 topics left, so if you guys have suggestions, please let us know. Send them in however you want, social media, email, whatever works for you. We definitely need to, well... Before long, we're going to have to hunker down and think of some new stuff anyway, but uh, it's always nice to have suggestions from the audience. But let's go ahead and spin the wheel and see what we get. There's a little stutter in the wheel tonight. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I already have an answer for this because I still think it holds true, but our topic for tonight is the worst thing about Linux. <laughs> oh boy hunker down where do we start <laughs> well let's not go too far into it but i'm gonna I'm gonna start with the one thing that's always been a huge bugaboo about linux for me it is getting better so i will say that and and i'm not gonna go down the, the rabbit hole of uh, audio subsystems because we all know those are horrible um progress is being made but i think the biggest problem with linux at least for me has always been printers um <clears throat> that's that's getting better too support for printers is is improving uh automatic configuration for printers is also improving um the subsystem has never been super easy to navigate cups is okay if you know how to get to it and what you're doing the gui overlays for cups tend to be pretty bad and uh, manufacturer driver support for Linux also tends to be pretty bad, which all sums up to be bad. So <laughs> that's that's my number one pick. It's a uh, it's tied, I think, with uh, audio subsystem. But uh, yeah, printers, printers in Linux suck. So really, yeah, I have not had that experience. Maybe we just. I, have, I think I have mentioned. I, no, I think I've even mentioned on the show multiple times how incredible I think like the printer detection and everything else is in Ubuntu starting that like version, you know, 2004. Yeah. Okay. So, so wait, <laughs> starting at 2004, when, when did Ubuntu become Ubuntu? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we've gone through, <laughs> yeah, pain and suffering, but I think like it's better than windows now by well, a long shot. Okay. And it's a sure in the hell better than Mac. Mac so, printers, I mean, if you're lucky to even have a driver, unless your printer was made, you know, last week, that's about the only time you're going to have a driver for it. Like, they have they have annihilated printers that are, like, 10 years old and stuff like that. And, hell, my printer's at least 10 years old. Well, see, I have decent printers, and I also have decent printer driver support uh, with these latest Xeroxes. Um, those have always been really good. Um, but, again, that's a recent turn of events for me good printer hmm. support and i've used what you know are plenty available commodity printers in the past you know your epsons your canons your hewlett packards your your whatever and the thing is the the like man like if you need to do something with the output of the printer like if you need to change the page orientation or whether it's in color or the dpi or whatever it's to me it's not super clear and it can vary depending on your printer model and it can vary by driver and sometimes you can only change things when you're accessing cups through port 631 sometimes you can do it through the front end interface mm. I don't know. to me it's a little it's still clunky 
Well, I mean, if you're talking about some of like the the customized stuff that you could do in the driver, I would probably agree. I would I would say though, like in general, the printer support is good. I, I'm probably also compressing time, so it's probably like even like back to 1804 or whatever, you know, because I've had the same printer since I lived in Tampa. So that's been 13 years, 14 years now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah it uh it's always been easy to print now i will say that there is disparity amongst the many different print interfaces when you hit the print button like there is no consistency in that meaning you may or may not see options that you would think you would need like i agree specifically like like you know like chrome has its own little thing and then this app has its own little print thing and then you know GIMP has its own little print thing, and everything everything has its own little print thing, and they're not the same. Yeah, it would be kind of nice if there was a generalized print API, maybe, um, if I'm thinking about this correctly, where or or a library where you where all the applications hook into it, and so they have access to all the things. And and don't like you know maybe LibreOffice has its own like integration with uh, the Cups backend or um, whatever and, and implements it in its own way. It'd be nice if there was some consistency across applications and things like that. Um, it there doesn't seem to be, and sometimes sometimes you, you know you'll go into an application and click print and then it'll bring up a print dialog and then down at the bottom there'll be an option to like go into the printer's print dialog instead of the application's print dialog so so yeah, there's like the system dialog right the system yeah. print dialog yeah yeah so i mean i'm i'm not impressed <laughs> well i mean i have to say windows is just as bad i mean I think Windows is a little more consistent, though. I think I think even where it disagrees across applications and and uh, drivers and stuff like that, I think the feel is more consistent. Yeah, but yeah, mm, I I don't know. <laughs> but no, I agree. I agree with you 100 percent because it is your opinion, and that's fine, and that's all that matters. <laughs> I would just say that it's just like yeah, there's disparity in printing everywhere because I think at some point everyone wants to kill printers. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, I mean, I don't we, we wanted printerless labs and everything else, you know, 15 years ago, and we, you know, I still see them printing out stuff every day. So yeah, the printer should be dead by now. I don't know why we still print things out. Yeah, you would think with the ability to have like uh, e tablet, you know, e ink and stuff like that, you would think that you would. Never need to have to hand somebody a sheet of paper. You could do it all digitally, but you know, obviously, we're we're not there yet. So, mm. okay. So I have to pick my number one thing. That well, I think uh, yeah. I mean, I, maybe <laughs> there's. I think there's two that we don't really want to touch. The uh, the first one is audio subsystems, of course, and the second one is uh, init subsystems. And um, if you, if you want to pick one of those two, I guess you can. But I don't know. Maybe maybe you can avoid those. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you know, actually, I'm I'm pretty happy with the state of things now, so I can't really complain about it anymore. Um, we just need more tools on the new stuff. That's that's basically all we need. Uh, I would say the thing I hate the most about Linux is the inconsistency in remoting the desktop based upon which window manager you're using, and then based upon which technology you have to use in order to accommodate that window manager. <laughs> And then your experience through it. Um, yeah, it seems like there's always there's always like an accommodation you have to make. That's a that's a really good pick. I almost wish I'd picked that one now because <laughs> uh, because yeah. like, 
The one I wish would work like consistently is RDP, X, like XRDP. Like yeah, I wish that's that, horrible. I know, I get, but I get it's the worst experience with that every time. But it's the fastest one. It always works the best when it works, but it rarely works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty happy with the way like no machine works. See, I haven't but, even tried. Yeah, but I I did get my machine stuck in a weird state that I could no longer remote to it. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't happy with that. Um, Team Viewer sort of worked occasionally on some systems. I think I used to use that on Fedora. Um, VNC works inconsistently across all of them because generally it doesn't work, and then when it does work, it sort of doesn't really work. Um, See, one yeah. thing I one thing it's I really always like been a bad about, implementation. I think. Yeah, one thing I really like about Team Viewer, and it's only a it's only a very limited use case, is that I can use it to access my. Um, my fusion repeater box on windows mm -hmm. from a Linux desktop. And it only, it only works because you can have team viewer, not grab the remote PCs audio. Right. Cause like the other ones, even if you're not hearing the audio, it seems to uh, tap into the audio subsystem and try to mask it, to or, it. it or something. It uh, team viewer doesn't do that. And if yeah, no it, machine like, doesn't do that to you. So it's yeah, just so like I'm like, yeah, I might try using no machine too in that case because, like, because the problem is on the fusion repeater thing. If if the window man, not the window manager, if the remote desktop client taps into the audio system, it steals it from the repeater. Yeah, <laughs> which is a bad thing. Now, I mean, most people would say that. Well, maybe some people say, "Well, you're using Linux. You're supposed to be in the command line in a secure shell session." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean. It is the year of the Linux desktop, right? So <laughs> over 3%. Yay. 3%. Yeah. So suck it, Microsoft. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. It's just been such a bad experience over the years that that one sort of just still rubs me as a, as kind of like it would be nice if there was the standard tool that would just work. And the closest I've come to it is no machine. But I hear Rust, like, is there a Rust desktop or something like that supposed to work? Rust top? Is that what, is that what it's called? Oh, I heard I, that mentioned. I think I tested that a while ago. Rust top or Rust desk, something like that. It's Rust desk. Yeah, Rust desk. So I haven't tried that one yet, but uh, I think I did try it originally when it was early and I didn't have any success with it. So I didn't really mess with it. But I think that's another one to test out. But yeah. Um, well, that's at least uh, my one of my pain points. Um, why don't you pick another one? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Oh, oh, um, the ability to do secure file file system sharing that is easy. <laughs> like, yeah, you can you can export your drives or whatever as CIFIS, you know, using Samba and mount them that way with authentication and stuff. But if you want to do something more natively, like for example, NFS, which I use a lot and I use auto mounter a lot, um, in order to do that securely, like not IP based, but authentication based, the only way I'm aware of that you can do that is with Kerberos and Kerberos is a nightmare. So, um, Unless there's just something about it uh, missing, but if you if you even just read, if you don't even try and implement Kerberos, you just read how it works. It sounds like a nightmare. So um, 
I would love for there to be some sort of uh, authenticated NFS type thing. And if there is such a thing, um, I would gladly have someone point it out to me. <laughs> well, what are you trying to do? Just uh, quickly send files back and forth between computers? No, I'm trying to mount shares on uh, remote you know, on uh, oh, yeah. geographically disparate computers, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to authenticate it by IP because I have some that change. So, well, let me introduce you to my friend Tailscale. Because <laughs> <laughs> guess what IPs don't change? Um, yeah, but you're talking about like, I don't necessarily want to implement a VPN to do this necessarily. It's fairly transparent to everything else that's going on in the machine. Yes, and I've been hearing a lot about tail scale, so... <laughs> and let me tell you, the tail scale send for sending quick files back and forth between PCs, amazing! <laughs> well, this, this is literally... Okay, so so uh, without giving too much away, I just want to have a situation where like, I have a computer sitting here at my house behind <laughs> a router, you know, a <laughs> NAT, um, that is mounting... Uh, server file systems via whatever method um, on remote machines. Those those IP addresses don't change, and they need to be always accessible on the local machine here. So and and act as if they're a local file system. That's what I want to do. Interesting. Well, you said the, the remote file systems never change their IP, but your your internal machine may. My internal machine may, and there therefore I have to on the remote side. If I'm using NFS, I either have to use Kerberos. Or I have to account for any possible IP address that the request mount that could be coming from, which oh. is problematic. So mm, interesting. Well, yeah, if you controlled all three, then I would definitely say tail scale because they would the addresses would never change. You could plug your server into a hotel room and it would still work. Yeah, I'll, I'll look into it and see if it's an option. But um, yeah, so anyway, there you go. Do you have a second one? Oh, I could probably come up with many. <laughs> Well, I think, I think one more is probably good since we've already since we've already hammered out uh, audio and in it. So yeah, we already passed those, right? We can we right. can't use those. Um, it's such a perfect thing. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm gonna have to uh, I have to go with uh, package management. Okay. Uh, all the package managers, the five thousand different ways to add packages to your system, and sometimes not being able to add a package to your system because it's not built for you, and then you spend hours upon hours trying to figure out what type of combination of tomfoolery you need to do to get a particular uh, source package to install in your system, um, which may or may not discombobulate your dependencies on your system because maybe you then compile the dependency instead of uh, you know downloaded the package for the dependency and now let's say at some point in the future you have a dependency issue <laughs> where it brings in the package that wasn't there when you originally created it and all of a sudden now you have an issue with you know, your static linking or whatever source linking um very similar to uh uh like what well like we were shown on my system because i had manually installed something from source instead of using an aur <laughs> And I was promptly scolded at Hamvention for not using, <laughs> what was it, Yay or something like that? Yeah, Yay. Of course, I, I use Peru on my system, which is basically the same thing. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I understood I understood the value of doing that now. Um, but on systems where, you know, the Arch user repository or whatever is not even, not even a glimmer of existence like Debian and Fedora and stuff like that. So you're kind of list listing the sea of snaps and flat packs and app images. And then God forbid you actually have to compile it yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. It would be nice. It would be nice sometimes if like, you know, we didn't have to compile SDR angel by scratch. <laughs> 
something like that on a system that it really isn't designed for. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the alternative, of course, is like, well, we only have one way to do packages, and it's a flat pack or something like that, which obviously many people do not want to go down that road. <laughs> You've already made your points well, well uh, documented and <laughs> annotated on your dislike for uh, those kinds of packages and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it would be easier. It would definitely be easier selling the idea of doing this if some things didn't you send you down massive rabbit holes just in order to get something to test. Yep, absolutely. But but other than the, but other than all these things we've discussed, Linux is great. So yeah, it's great. You know, whatever. <laughs> Except for like you know, don't download a kernel that sucks. You know, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't uh, download the le- latest bleeding edge kernel that doesn't actually work or or whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. That's enough about that's enough Linux hate for one night, I guess. <laughs> I know it's not even hate. It's just silly little things. You know, I don't know. There's yeah. things that uh, you know. I, I realize we we make a lot of accommodations, even though many it seemed like many, but we make a lot of accommodations to operate our lives inside of Linux. And I think for the most part they're really good because, like, I think the software choices that are out there are amazing and unhighlighted at best. Uh, at what what is actually out there to run, like for videoing and video editing, photo editing, and everything else. I mean, there's just too many tools to even list. You know, not everything has to be done with Adobe or something like that. Um, yeah, I'm just always amazed at what you can what you can do, and that there's about a billion alternatives for most things. Yep. No, I I definitely enjoy all of the high points, but there there are still some some little sticky wickets that that need to be hammered out. So, and I, I know progress is being made in, in many of these areas. So we'll just have to see when when everything consolidates into a useful thing that we can stop complaining about. Well, you know, audio subsystems and init systems and bad remote management and so on and so forth. So, all right, yeah. let's do some happy stuff, shall we? For sure. All right, so hedonism time. Let's get into the hedonism. And because Cheryl's not here, I'm just going to go down through her her couple of recipes. She does have a regular recipe and a drink recipe. And unfortunately, as I was saying before the show, uh, she hasn't made this one this uh, recipe yet. She's going to make it in the next few days, but I won't I won't have any input on it. I'm assuming it's good, but <laughs> I won't know for sure until we try it. So. Her her food recipe for this time around is slow cooker huli huli chicken, and the description on it is crockpot huli huli chicken is a dinner you can set and forget because it's of course cooked in a crockpot. Uh, come back and enjoy it in all of its tropical goodness. Each bite, a fork tender chicken is flavored with the best sauce made of ginger, garlic, ketchup, brown sugar, and pineapple juice. It's the perfect mix of sweet, tangy, and savory. Kind of sounds like a sweet and sour mixed with. Uh, teriyaki or something <laughs> so, but uh so the ingredients for it are unsweetened pineapple juice soy sauce brown sugar ketchup ginger root minced garlic boneless chicken or chicken breasts if you prefer and some corn starch and the basic idea is in a medium bowl you whisk together your juice soy sauce brown sugar ketchup ginger and garlic to make a nice sauce you place chicken thighs into a crock pot or your breasts of course and pour your sauce mixture on top of it cook on low for five to seven hours and uh, when it's uh, removed from the crock pot, you whisk your cornstarch to thicken the sauce. And you can either enjoy your chicken in the whole five pieces with the sauce or shred the chicken and add the shredded chicken to a crock pot and stir it into the sauce. And if you shred it, it makes an ideal sandwich filler or a topping on rice. 
That sounds pretty good. I can't wait to try it. Yeah, sounds good. And of course, uh, she picked a drink that she she knows I know about because it's <laughs> one of my favorites, <laughs> and that is the classic Mai Tai. Uh, anytime I go to a restaurant that actually serves a Mai Tai, I will probably get one because I love them. Um, and she put in here that it's one of my favorite drinks. It absolutely is. And it goes apparently with the Huli Huli chicken. So that means I'm going to be trying to make some Mai Tais whenever that comes around. So this particular recipe calls for dark rum, white rum, OJ, Cointreau, or triple sec, fresh lime juice, orgit syrup, or pure almond extract, super fine granulated sugar, grenadine, and you can garnish with an orange slice. So this is one of those shaken, not stirred recipes. You put it in a shaker with uh, ice cubes, shake it till it's really, really cold and a little bit foamy, strain it into an old fashioned glass and enjoy. And I think uh, I, I tend to float like a little 151 with the dark rum on a decent Mai Tai. And, you know, because that gives you that little extra kick. So <laughs> yummy, yummy. Light it on fire. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, I don't think they generally do that. And I think in a lot of cases, they don't garnish with an orange slice. They garnish with a, a wedge of uh, pineapple. But uh, either way, good stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to have you do your whatever corner first before I do my drink corner. So. Oh, yeah. So uh, this is a bottle I picked up uh, on the road. And, of course, uh, this is, should be no no surprise to people. This is Russell's Reserve uh, Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey, six-year. Um, I saw it rye and I didn't really see anything else on the shelf that I wanted. So I was like, oh, I'll get that. It's no big deal. You know, I've, I've had Russell's reserve, the regular bourbon and stuff like that. Uh, from the website, it says it's complex and spicy. The Russell's reserve six-year-old rye delivers a lively taste profile of citrus zest and subtle caramel with a black pepper finish. Uh, they say it's a deep mahogany in color and it's robust nose with notes of roasted almonds, vanilla, caramel, and cinnamon. I don't know. The nose is not not as good as that, I don't think, but whatever. Uh, the taste, complex allspice, pepper, and almond flavors. Yeah, it tastes like rye bourbon. Um, and the finish, smooth, long, lingering with rye spice and dried fruit. Yeah. You know, it's not bad. But on my rye scale of rye, you know, it's not. It's it's no Rossville Union, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's a good rye. I, I think it's um it, it's pretty good. Now you you of course say it uh, it's got the funk, right? It's the uh, it's because it's from the Wild Turkey Factory, right? Um, well, I haven't tried the rye, but the the Russell's Reserve definitely does. But it's also really good. I've I've had the ten year and I've had the single barrel, and I really like their their bourbon lineup. And it definitely you you definitely if you if you have the spread if you if you've had the experience and you've tried the different wild turkeys like the rare breed and the one hundred and one and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, you can see where it fits. Uh, but it's also got its own character. So yeah, I think the 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 flavor is really good on it. You know, I'm just uh, just sipping it here, and yeah, it's I mean, it's 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 really good. I mean, it's it's way better than Michter's. It's way better than yeah. Well, it's way better than the Wild Turkey 101 Rye. It's way better than Old Forester 100 Rye. Um, all your basic, you know, what do you call them? middle shelf to, to bottom shelf rye. <laughs> it's definitely better than those. Um, but yeah, the Rossville Union still you know edges way out there, and of course. Uh, yeah, that other one, that RY3, that one is really good. That's probably better than a Rossville Union. And uh, like Peerless, too. The Peerless, yeah, the Peerless is sort of... Although I have had a bad bottle of Peerless, so, but I guess they're all small batch, so... Yeah, it's possible, um, but I've had a really good Peerless. The one, the one I brought to you where we had that, that one was really good. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> 
I, it's fine. Yeah, if you want a if you want a solid ride that is you know checks all the boxes, it's it's definitely it's definitely that good. Like I mean, you could probably make a really nice old fashioned with it. It's definitely got the spice in it and stuff like that. So, um, but it's also it's fine just to sip it. It's uh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. We'll leave it at that. All right, very it's about, good. It's about forty bucks. Forty, I think it may be forty, forty four, something like that. I don't know. Depends on your state. Okay, I might pick that up. I'm I'm definitely trying to get into some more rye, which is why I'm going to talk about a rye too, and it's also a really good rye. In this case, it's the Stellum Rye, but this is a barrel proof uh, barrel pick from one of the local stores, and um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's quite good. The uh, description from Stellum is the identum the the identum the identity of Stellum Rye is rooted in a tried and true ninety five percent rye Indiana mash bill, which is a complex and overburdening way of saying that it's MGP. To enhance this classic style, we incorporate small amounts of more barley forward rye and choice barrels from both Kentucky and Tennessee. This brings a full round mouthfeel and flashes of buttery sweetness to an otherwise spicy and tightly focused rye whiskey. And I will say, whatever they've done to this MGP rye really works. Mm. Uh, this particular bottle, uh, this, the regular Stellum, I don't know what it's bottled at, probably like uh, 86 or something. I don't know. Uh, but this one is uh, higher. Mash bill, as I already said, is 95% rye, 5% malted barley. The proof on it is 116.36, which is 58.18% ABV. It's uh, listed as Kentucky, Tennessee, and Indiana because the influences of uh, grains and barrels from those various places are incorporated. Color shown is deep copper. And uh, for a rye, I've got to say, this is pretty complex. The nose has stewed apple, peach, pear, nutmeg, clove, mint, and licorice. And that's just sticking your nose in the glass. That's not even, you know, tasting it. And then when you do get a chance to uh, pour it down your gullet, you can taste anise, cardamom, coriander, lemon zest, sour orange, green apple, spearmint, and light sweetness. And there's probably more. If I kept sipping on this, I could probably give you other notes. Um, but I'm not going to do that because you should probably just go get some of this and find out for yourself. And then, uh, after it, you know, lingers for a little bit, you get a touch of star anise and some baking spice, white pepper, mint, honey, and even a little bit of green tea. And I'm not even a fan of green tea, but when it's mixed in this way with a rye and all the other things going on, I don't mind it so much, but tea is a very distinct palate thing for me, uh, probably because I don't like it, but uh, even that in this is really good. Hmm. The uh, regular expression, I'm sure, comes in cheaper. This bottle was like $57, so I'm going to say $60. Uh, you obviously can't buy this one unless you go to the store that I bought it from, but I'm assuming other barrel picks will be similar. And the other ones probably taste just as good, just probably with a little less punch because not as much alcohol. But I'm going to give this one a solid 93. It's a really, really good rye. And uh, I don't think it's quite as good as Rossville Union. I think I gave Rossville Union a 95. Um, I don't know. I'm guessing. So I tried to put this one at close but slightly under uh, Rossville Union because it's really good. And it uh, comes in about the same price point. So... That's a uh, Stellum Rye and uh, Barrel Proof in this particular case. It's really good. Hmm. I'll have to keep an eye out for that one. I believe it's coming everywhere at, at some point. Um, I don't know if it's in Montana yet, but it should be soon. Who who makes it? Stellum. S-T-E-L-U-M. Oh. Oh, their own, own, they're not like a part of a bigger company or whatever? Nope. They're the people who make uh, Barrel. Barrel. B-A-R-R-E-L-L. -L, barrel Spirits. Hmm. 
So I seen uh, that either. <laughs> um, you've you've probably seen it. Barrel is interesting. It's a very niche thing. Maybe someday we'll talk about Barrel because what they do is they what they do is kind of like what Compass Box does. If you're familiar with them, no. So, okay. Well, maybe maybe we'll have a maybe we'll have one of these uh, weekenders about Compass Box and Barrel because they're very interesting. And yeah. uh, Bardstown is also kind of similar. So they do things a little different. Maybe we need a deep dive. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, if we're going to start doing uh weekend or deep dives. That'll be, that'd be weird. Uh, okay. So I already talked- really like sign off on our podcast, right? Maybe we'll have to do like a video, like short or something and, and just do that for YouTube. That that might be kind of a cool thing. Yeah, so that would be show what we're talking about. Oh, there's show and tell. Mm. Yeah. And that, that would actually force me to buy some barrel bourbon. Cause, uh, I, <laughs> I tend to stay away from barrel because it's on the pricey side. It's usually around 90 bucks a bottle. Oh. So, um, yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting if people are interested in this kind of stuff. So that might be worth doing. Anyway, announcements and feedback. Don't have anything except if you have any show topics for the weekenders, please send them our way. We, we would love to have them. Do you have anything before we move on? Nope. Nope, nope. I mean, if uh, if they'd like to hear more about that topic you just talked about, they can always suggest that as our random topic can be that specific topic <laughs> and, uh, and a weekender. Okay, I, I will say this: if um, if if listeners sub- submit uh, five topics, just a total of five from any number of people, um, I will put that on the the list, the random topic list, and if it comes up, we'll do that as a video podcast. I mean, we'll obviously release it as audio too, but I'll I'll make sure I have all the different things: a compass box, a barrel, and, and uh, some Bardstown and stuff like that, and we'll do the whole thing as a video podcast and release it on YouTube as a as a video as well. Sweet. So, all right. And uh, I'll just go ahead and let you do the new subscriber stuff. What the hell? Sure. Uh, we did not have any new subscribers or Patreons this week, but we did have on Facebook, Richard Colley, or Coley, Colley, Colley. I'll just stick with Colley. Uh, on Twitter, we had at uh, Stacy WH72244513. Doesn't sound like a phone number, so don't have to call her. Uh, and at PLS Madeira. Uh, on Instagram, we didn't have anybody. On Mastodon, we had uh, KJ6DBE, KU7PDX, AG7GM. On YouTube, we had Mark Dommers. Uh, no one joined the mailing list. Over on Discord, we had Dan- Danilo Thane, 69. Uh, no merchandise sales. And in the live chat, which it doesn't look like it's changed, we have Ted, WA0EIR, and Winston, KD2WLL. All right. Very good. Well, thanks, everybody, for participating in this weekender. Glad to have you. Uh, thanks for the folks who showed up live. And, of course, to everyone who supports the show, either financially or by just listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. It's why we do this every week. Um, you know, wouldn't be a show without you. So thank you very much. And uh, we hope you have a good week and we'll tune in for the next one. But until then, we'll go ahead and sign off for here for the uh, still on R&R, I guess, uh, Cheryl W5MOO. I'll sign off from this episode, 106th Weekender, episode number 512 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. 
You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at one nine zero nine lhs show That's one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.